0: Today on the show, we're going to talk about the mind and thinking. Have you ever wanted to learn how to build your own flute? Or maybe just do a woodworking project? I'm giving a flute-making workshop here in Berlin, Germany, where you can learn how to build your own Native American-style flute. I will take you through all the steps, so at the end of the workshop, you will have a finished flute. And there is something special about The connection you will experience playing an instrument that you made. The workshop is at the Berlin Woodwork Academy. It's a two-day workshop on Sunday 29th of May and also Sunday 12th of June. Register right away because there are a limited number of spots available as it will be a small group to ensure that students get enough attention. You can go to singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H, F-L-U-T-E-S for a link to register. You can also find that same link in the episode description. So join me and learn how to build your own Native American style flute. I rely on the generosity of you, the listeners, to help support me and this program. Typically, I travel around giving workshops and charging a fee for this. Here I am providing this content to you for free. There are over 60 episodes for you to go through now. All I ask is that you make a donation. Give what you can. Give what you feel that you've received from this podcast. It could be the price of a yoga class. It could be more. Go to thestoryofmepodcast.com, and on the contact page, there's a donate button. And also in the episode description, you can find a link to donate. You could even donate in Bitcoin if you'd like, but please make some donation to help support this program so I can continue to bring you episodes. Also, please share this podcast with your friends. If you know someone that you think would enjoy this, please share with them. Help me get the word out. You can also connect with me at thestoryofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, you can record a question or send me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, let's get to it. Welcome to the story of me with Amarjit Singh. This is where my guests and I share personal stories from our life, and explore the psychological insights that were learned from these experiences. Each story will entertain you as well as increase your understanding of your own psychological patterns. Then, through the principles of yoga psychology, you will learn how to overcome the resistance that is holding you back from living a more fulfilling life. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode where I share my experiences and psychological understanding, interview guests and answer listener questions. Now let's get started with a podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding. Welcome to the show. For new listeners, my name is Amarjit Singh, and I am your host. For old listeners, welcome back. It's good to have everyone. I hope everyone is doing well. Today I wanted to talk about the mind and how you're using it we tend to work really hard especially if you're listening to this podcast you're putting in the effort to understand the psychology of the mind so that you can attain some peace of mind some lasting happiness right this isn't this what we're searching for a way to find that quietness within and this is the reason we do yoga the reason you're listening to this podcast and probably all the books you have read are all to help you try to find that inner peace, that harmony. Yet we often get caught up with the physical aspect of yoga when we're doing yoga, and we kind of lose track sometimes of the psychological. When we hear, I'm doing yoga, it's Physical postures, it's the asanas, it's the the kriyas that you're doing to move the body, to bend the body. In reality, though, the physical aspect of yoga is a very small fraction of what yoga is. And the reason that we do the physical aspect of it, the asanas, is really to correct the body alignment and to increase flexibility. Because when the body is in proper alignment, the flow of prana, which is the vital life force energy, is improved. And this is what really helps the function of the inner workings of the body, the organs, and the flow of our energy, our vital energy. And this assists our functioning of the physical, mental, and also the subtle body. This is the physical aspect of it. Psychologically, with increased flexibility, we are able to be more adaptable in life. And we're able to acclimate to the changing environment, and we are more capable of changing habit patterns. So really, the physical is, is a focus on the psychological through the physical. The more flexible the body, the more flexible the mind and you see people who have very stiff minds, their body is not so flexible. We want to make this body flexible so this flow of prana is strong and more balanced, and the mind is peaceful, and that we can liberate ourselves from the conditioned mind and find this peace and happiness. In these days it's a little more challenging. And you're seeing the effects of people who are unable to stabilize the mind. We see people who are getting in fights on planes or acting out in stores and having all these issues. And we wonder, well, why is this happening now? It's because of the stress that everyone has been going through the past couple of years. The people who didn't have some work towards their stability It really magnified the imbalances, the psychological issues that they haven't really dealt with. And so we want to be unshakable in the storm of life that we go through. So how do we do that, and how do we calm the mind down? The mind creates suffering through false identifications, these aversions and desires and we've talked about this on many episodes, is that your reaction is the attachment to these false identifications. And we had this this episode on what it means to be triggered, and I, I recommend that you go back and listen to this. But what happens is that we Observe something from one of the senses, whether it's through the hearing, through the sight, through the taste, through touch, through smell, and even a thought. And we have this, and then depending on what that is in our karma, our history, our experiences, we react to it. If it brings back a memory that we don't like or a desire that we do like, we react in this way. This is what connects us to these false identifications because it's through these things that we are reacting to because we don't see ourselves accurately you know we you may feel insecure and so someone makes some comment or you see something or or you hear something and you react because you start to feel bad about yourself and this false identification is what causes you to react what anyone says or does has nothing to do with you Even if they're calling your name while they're doing it, it's really about them. And you can't control this. But what you can control is your reaction to it. And so if you're having difficulty controlling this, it's because you are giving in to the mind. You're giving in to these false ideas of who you think you are. And they're creating this suffering through these reactions, and we talked about this with the ego. The ego is a great example of these false identifications to ideas. And in what is the ego? It's just a collection of thoughts that you identify with, that you define yourself by. When you're reacting to these, what you're doing is you're protecting this identity. You're protecting this idea of who you thought you are. And it's not really these thoughts alone that are causing the problem, but it's your relationship with these ideas and concepts that they represent. Because you have a particular expectation of how something should be based on a past experience, and you create an attitude toward it. Then when something shatters this idea of it or confronts this idea of it, you react. Like I said, we see a lot of this going on right now because people have been pushed and they were imbalanced before, and now they're reacting. Sometimes you may even catch yourself with these limiting thought patterns, these false ideas, and you attempt to change them because of the reactions. Uh, You have a negative view of something and then you try to replace it with a positive one. So, for example, maybe you're addicted to drinking, you're an alcoholic, or you're addicted to drugs, or you're addicted to overeating, whatever it is. And so let's go with this idea of being an alcoholic. And so you wake up every morning and you say, I need a drink, I need a drink, I need a drink. And then you go and you, you drink. After some time of this, you start to try to control the mind and you, you say, okay, I can't drink. I can't drink, I can't drink. And this becomes your mantra. Well, it's healthier than drinking, because now you're not drinking, but you're repeating this mantra, I can't drink, I can't drink, I can't drink. Where is the peace? You've replaced one addiction with another. You've replaced one thought with another. What you need to learn how to do is to let go of the thinking, not replace it with another one. because. Aversion and desire are both attachments. And to have peace of mind, you have to learn how to stop the mind. This is the goal. The goal is to truly stop the mind, because when you can stop the mind, you are at peace. You are in the moment. The thinking is what brings you all your suffering. When I was doing my 40-day meditation retreat in the mountains, in the cave. I had a really interesting experience when it comes to the mind, and I was in this deep meditation, and all these memories of how my mind has caused me difficulty uh, in a particular way started to come to, to consciousness. One after the other for, I think it was about two to three days, every idea of how my mind has caused me suffering in this specific way and it was in this way that you know when you're when you try to use the mind to be clever and you think that this is going to get you out of situations and so this I, this quote came to me which is one of my favorite quotes because it was a 3-day experience of living through this quote and it's nothing has brought me more suffering than my clever mind. And nothing has brought me greater joy than my open heart. So live in the heart. And what it was telling me is that, you know, I always try to show how clever I was and try to use this mind to fix or manipulate situations. And what has this done for me but brought me suffering? And every time... That I tried to do this, use my mind to be so clever, and it really hurt me or hurt the the people in the situation. It came to my mind for three days, and there were quite a few experiences. It was a very difficult three days, but it was beautiful at the end, where this idea was really imposed upon me through my consciousness, through my meditation, and. This is what we do, is we rely on this mind to get us out of problems, to be so clever. But really what it is, is we just need to turn it off and to stop it. And then project from this heart. This is where we want to be. We should only use the mind when it's necessary. And I liken this to a carpenter who has to hammer a nail. And let's say the nail is on the other side of the room, and while he's walking over there, he's swinging the hammer before he gets to the nail. This is what we do with the mind. We're using it when it's not necessary. What we need to do is to learn to let go of these ideas, these concepts. For example, this this concept of home. You know, Being someone who's been without a home for, I don't know, a 10, 10 or more years and just traveling around. People always ask, "You know, do you miss feeling at home or or you know do you feel in balance because of this and then you get the answer to this in this traveling community that i've I've encountered often throughout my life, and you hear these people who these hippie type of people or yogi type of people who think they're being open and liberal where they say, well, wherever I am is home. Or home is where the heart is, right? This is this is what people say. And they think that they're being open because they say, wherever I am is home. They think by repeating this mantra that they're free, that they're being free. But really, this is just as bad or even worse than saying some places are home while others are not. Because at least with that, you're open enough for two possibilities. While the other, you're attached to only one. Either way, there are both attachments and judgments. Because if you say, wherever I am is home, this means that you have to constantly judge and evaluate, do I feel at home? And I'm not saying in a physical way. It could be in a, a mental way or a psychological way. But it's this idea that that you are comparing it because if you have a concept like this, what you're doing is you're always evaluating and saying, oh, I don't feel at home here. I I do feel at home here or I feel at home everywhere. And what I am saying is, for me, the concept of home doesn't exist. So I have nothing to compare it to. Now, this isn't to say that I don't have a home or I don't have a place to go, but what I'm doing is I'm letting go of this concept, these thoughts and these feelings of what home means. Because why do you need to define, label, classify, and ultimately judge things that only create distance, restrictions, and attachments to the way you interact with them? So what I'm saying is there are so many concepts that you identify with. Even if you think, oh, it's a positive outlook to think this way or to have this attitude toward it, but it doesn't mean it's not an attachment. And just like I talked about the alcoholic who went from saying, I need a drink, I need a drink, to I can't drink, I can't drink, well, physically it's better if he's not drinking, but he's still attached to this this idea, this avoidance, this aversion. And what you need to do is learn how to stop the mind, to stop thinking. Let go of these concepts. They're man-made. They're not necessary. So why do they exist? And they exist because you have judgment towards things, and this is the way that connects you is through this judgment, through this reaction, because of your experiences but they're just creating attachments because then you're like this idea of home. Then you're always evaluating, am I feeling at home or am I not? What I'm saying is what concepts can you eliminate? Go through these ideas. They're not necessary. We think about so many things that have no real importance. In fact, they hinder the mind being free. So think about this. When you're Dwelling on something? Why am I thinking about this? What is this concept that I'm giving attention to? And how do I let it go? And what you can see is that you are reacting to things because of your experience, because someone who is in a similar position that didn't have these experiences would react differently. And maybe they would react with attachment too, but in a different type of attachment. What I'm saying is to find what these ideas are and let go of the ideas themselves. Pull out the roots of these thoughts, of these concepts, because they're unimportant. They're man-made, and they're only causing you challenges. They're only causing you attachment. They're only causing you suffering. And you can evaluate your reaction to these in in many ways— but a good way to evaluate them is through the functions of the mind. So in Kundalini Yoga, we talk about the ten bodies. And each, each body of the ten bodies it represents an aspect of the human being. I'm not going to get into the ten bodies now, but three of the bodies have to do with the mind. And so we have the three functions of the mind, the negative mind, the positive mind, and the neutral mind. And they're all necessary. But if one of them is too strong or too weak, it's going to cause the mind to react in ways that are not helpful or not peaceful. And so let's go through the three minds to show you how that they work individually and how they need to be balanced together. And through these, you can tell which aspect may be off with you. And it it, it changes depending on what's going on in your life. At that moment, it may be one or the other. So the first function of the mind is the negative mind. And so we call this one really the protective mind. It doesn't mean that the negative mind has to disappear. What you need to make sure is that the negative mind isn't too weak or too strong. So the negative mind is this mind that looks for the dangers and things. If you're evaluating something, it's 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 looking at: is this going to harm me? Is this going to cause me problems? If you look at your life, you can see how this mind is reacting. Are you avoiding things because you feel a lot of fear? Is this fear keeping you from venturing out and and taking chances? And so this means that this negative mind is too strong. It needs to be balanced. Because if it's too weak, then you're not looking at the negativity, you're not looking at the negative aspects of something, and you're taking chances without evaluating something properly. So you take these chances without thinking of what can go wrong. And so this means that the negative mind is underdeveloped. So to balance the negative mind, you need to value your discipline. You need to develop this relationship to your integrity, to valuing yourself. And you can do this through the physical aspects of yoga. Work on the third chakra, the navel center. This is where you get your personal power from. And if you're weak in this area, you have a lot of fear. You have a lot of uh, fear of taking chances. And also the first chakra, right? The first chakra is which grounds you makes you feel connected to this earth. If you don't feel grounded, you're afraid to take chances. You have a lot of fear, or maybe you're ungrounded and you're not evaluating the negativity. You're not evaluating the things that can go wrong. and You're taking chances without the proper evaluation. Either way, the third chakra and the first chakra need to be worked on, and you need to Gain some discipline or control over the mind because you're listening to all these things that come up to the mind saying you can't do this, you have difficulty, something's wrong with you, all this negative thinking. And there are times where this negative thinking is important to evaluate the dangers, but it shouldn't be making the final decision. It should be an aspect of the thinking that first you. See something or perceive some experience, and you evaluate the things that can go wrong. And then once you do this, then you say, okay, let's look at the second function of the mind, the positive mind. What are the positive things? What are the things that are going to expand my experience? What are the things that are going to give me opportunity? Because the positive mind is the expensive mind, it is the gift of using your power of optimism, of, of this playful spirit. And so the positive mind, if it's weak or underdeveloped, it means that the negative mind has taken over and overwhelms it, that there's too much negativity and you need to find balance in the negative and positive mind. If the positive mind is too strong, it means that you are looking at the positive benefits and not evaluating the risks. And so you need to strengthen the negative mind, like I said, through the discipline, through the navel chakra, to balance out the positive mind. They need to be in balance. And it all comes down to this navel point, your self-esteem, your positive uh, perspective of your experience. But it needs to be an accurate interpretation of your experience. It can't be overly positive or overly negative. It needs to be balanced because the decisions should not be complete in the negative mind or the positive mind. The complete decision comes to the third function of the mind, which is the neutral mind. And this is the meditative mind. The neutral mind is called shunya. And this is where the decisions are made. The positive mind and the negative mind evaluate the different aspects. The negative mind evaluates all the risks and dangers. The positive mind evaluates all the positive aspects, all the gains from the experience or idea or thought. And then it all should result to the neutral mind, which makes the final decision. And when the neutral mind is weak, decisions become very difficult. And then there's this habit of being a victim, of having difficulty integrating life's experiences and the meaning of them. So to strengthen the neutral mind is through meditation, through not reacting. And we talked about, right, the triggers. When people are triggered, it's because one of the minds, they're focused on this negative mind or positive mind. And they don't know how to get to the neutral mind, the non-reactive mind. And this is the mind of compassion, of integration. And you can get through this through meditation. Because it is this neutral mind which is free from any ideas and any thoughts that is where all the decisions should be made. Because it evaluates the input from the negative and positive mind and allows you to go deep to the intuition to come to a decision. And the only way to do this is to stop, to stop movement, to stop thought, to be where you are. When we talk about stopping movement, we're talking about the movement of the mind, not just the movement of the body, but also the movement of the mind, to stop it so it's not reacting to the thoughts through the ideas to the things that are triggering you. So going back to this idea of the physical aspects of yoga and how they're really about the psychological, the mental, is when you're doing a posture and the posture begins to get difficult and you think, I can't hold this posture for much longer. And so your mind starts to play these games with you. Just drop the posture. You'll be more comfortable. You can't do it. And it starts telling you the story. And how strong is your consciousness towards this mental aspect of the body is going to determine how you react to life. So if you're doing this difficult posture and the mind is telling you, drop the posture, drop the posture, and you say, no, I'm not going to listen to the mind. The mind is not me. It is just saying this, but I don't need to listen to it. I don't need to react to it. And so you hold the posture. And if you can do this, what you're really doing is you're putting in alignment who's in control, because you are the owner of the mind and the body. You are not the slave to it. And if you can control your reaction by not reacting to the mind, you're training the mind. And this is what the physical aspect of yoga is about. It's about training the mind through the body. And I did an episode on how to experience higher levels of consciousness and to talk about this idea in greater detail. I recommend you look for this episode to to get more into this. But basically what you're doing is you're learning how to not react to the mind to stop the mind. Because you can sit there when the mind tells you, put your, drop the posture. It's too difficult. It's too difficult. You can start to replace it by saying, no, I'm going to keep the posture. I'm going to keep the posture and repeating this mantra to yourself mentally. But again, it's replacing one thought with another. Instead of doing this, you can just let it say this, let it tell you to drop the posture, but don't react to it. And you can say, oh, you can keep telling me to drop the posture, but I'm not listening. I'm not going to react. And eventually it will stop. Whereas the other way, you're just replacing one thought with another. And there's no peace in this. And so today, what I would like to end this episode with is a meditation for you to cultivate the neutral mind. And this is where truth lives. And this is where your heart and your mind are one. When the mind stops, the heart is open. When the mind stops, the connection to the intuition is open. And so this meditation, you can do it right now. We'll sit here and do it, or you can do it later. So what you want to do is sit in easy pose, with the nice straight spine, putting both hands on the lap with the palms facing up, resting the right hand onto the left hand, having the thumbs touched together. And this is really connecting the neutral mind. Remove all the tension from the body, sit nice and straight, trying to be balanced. Close your eyes and just imagine you're sitting nice and peaceful, full of Radiance shining through you and projecting out. And you're going to mentally vibrate a mantra. The mantra is Wahe Guru. And so, for my Kundalini yogis or, or Sikh people who are listening to this, you understand Wahe, the literal translation is wonderful, and Guru is a Guru going from darkness to light. But in the Sikh religion, this is just the name for God, and it doesn't really have a translation. Maybe the experience of pure ecstasy that you get from achieving the union between you and God, which is this Waheguru, It's also really the infinite. And so it's identifying from, it's this infinite light identifying from the darkness to the light. So in this posture, what you're going to do is you're going to keep your eyes closed, but looking out the third eye point through the closed eyes. So look up to the third eye through the closed eyes, and mentally vibrate, "Wa, Hey, Guru. Wa, 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 Hey." Guru. And go on and do this for 11 minutes. Sitting nice and still, mentally vibrating this in this nice rhythmic chopping sound and projecting each syllable and keep the eyes focused through the third eye but through the closed eyes. And learn how to let go of the thoughts and just focus on this to strengthen the neutral mind. And catch yourself throughout the day when you have strong reactions to things, to things that you see or hear. Why are you doing that? What's going on? Ask yourself, what are you attached to? What concept is creating this challenge for you? The concept could be many concepts, like we talked about this silly concept of home, but really could be any concept, right? I, I can tell you, Going from working on Wall Street and these great jobs to kind of roaming this earth as a yogi, you know, we start to see this as going backwards. When you have to move out of the house you were living in because it's too expensive, you have to get rid of your car because it's too expensive, and you go to a cheaper place to live in a cheaper automobile, and you think, I'm going backwards. I'm making less money. I'm going backwards because we have this concept, this idea that we evaluate ourselves through our economics, through our situation in life. But really, the idea is that it is the connection you have with yourself and the love that you can spread throughout this world is how you should perceive yourself. Am I spreading just a little more love today than I did yesterday? Am I? Am I able to open up my heart just a little more today? But because we have these man-made concepts, ideas, we react to them. And you can catch yourself when you react to these and say, okay, I see what I'm doing. Take a deep breath, let it go, and try to not react. This is all you can work on controlling is first to use this awareness of the reaction to let yourself know that there's something there I need to work on. And do this while you're not reacting, because if you're reacting, there's no awareness. The awareness comes after the fact. You want to be aware in the moment. This is why we yell at someone and we react a certain way, and then afterwards we regret it. This is awareness after the fact. We want to be aware in the moment. And the only way to do this is to not react and we see this today with all the dramas going on and all the propaganda through the media that's telling us to think a certain way or not think this way and and then we talk to people who are so absorbed into this this propaganda that we just look at them and say how can they believe this they're they're parroting what the media has been saying to them and it's untrue it's if you think about this logically, they, but they're not. And we have to make sure that we are able to think rightly. And the way to do this is to have no reaction, to learn how to observe the reaction before it turns external. Notice that the body is changing, the mind is changing, the breath is changing. What is it that's causing me this reaction? And look at the three functions of the mind. How am I reacting to this? Where's my attachment? And how do I let it go? How do I strengthen this neutral mind to not react? And then your life becomes more peaceful. And then in the turmoil of life, you're able to be peaceful. Because when you have peace of mind, you can relax anywhere. I'd like to tell you about sing flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They are handcrafted Native American style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 Hz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 Hz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started each flute is unique since they're handmade i put different artwork on them i put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to so go check them out at singflutes.com s-i-n-g-h-f-l-u-t-e-s.com use the discount code the story of me podcast and get 10 percent off I hope you enjoyed the program. I will put some notes of the meditation in the show notes on the website. And again, if you're interested in learning how to make your own Native American style flute, go to singflutes.com. And there's a link, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S dot com. There's a link to register, or you can go in the episode description. There's also a link. And register soon because there's a limited amount of people uh, for this workshop. Also, please make a donation. Help contribute to the podcast. Help support it so we can continue to bring you these episodes. And uh, send me a message. I'd love to hear from you, whether you have a question or a statement or whatever you want to say. Okay. From the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding. Well, I'd love to be the current that carries your words and actions. Bye.